What is up, everybody? Spring has not sprung. That means one thing. It's time to hit the whitetail woods. I've got Eric Barber across from me. We're talking shed hunting, but we're also talking five things. And I know I'm going to make it more than five things. Absolutely. You can learn from a shed antler. We're talking about sheds, finding them, but the why behind they're there, which can help lead you to your big buck in the fall. Definitely. Uh, I know I, one of these sheds on the table I, I scooped from Coop's desk. Yeah. I think we did a podcast a while back. He actually, he likes shed hunting. Like some, Sometimes he'll go like, I think I like shed hunting more than actual deer hunting. Yeah. yeah I just tell him that he's wrong. He is wrong. Coop, oh. Coop finds a lot of sheds, though, so I could understand it. He finds a lot of big sheds, too. He finds too. a lot of big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, what what do we got? Uh, what do we got going on? We got a few a few in front of us right yeah. now. But what the heck can a person learn from a shed antler? Man, I think there is. It doesn't a, talk. It, it it doesn't talk, but it it tells you a lot without with saying very little. Ooh. So it doesn't uh, talk, but it does. It, yes, exactly. Okay. So I mean, it's it's no secret. A lot of you know, a lot of whitetail hunters specifically get after sheds. You know, this time of year, from like a scouting standpoint. Like you mentioned, Mark, the weather is finally starting to get a little bit better. You know, everyone's kind of trying to beat off that cabin fever and get out in the woods, put some miles on, um, and hopefully find some shed antlers along the way. Um, I think what we're kind of hoping to get out of this today is like, what are the things that you can take away from that? Like, it's one thing to kind of walk haphazardly in the woods, find a couple sheds, nothing wrong with that. I love doing that and do it frequently. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but I think there's a couple questions that you can ask yourself when you are out there, when you do find a shed to take away a little bit of actionable Intel that can hopefully put whatever the antler is that you're holding in front of your tree stand the next fall. Yeah. Like when they're stuck together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Much better when there's a skull plate <laughs> in between. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I mean, just kind of diving into it. I think the main thing obviously is proof of life. Um, you know, it sounds super basic, but I mean, how many times has somebody seen a big buck, had photos of a big buck or just any deer for that matter that, you know, they spend time hunting or chasing the next year without any Intel to suggest that that deer is actually alive. Um, you know, that's, that, that can be the difference of somebody wasting a season, um, chasing a ghost or actually, you know, knowing that, hey, this thing did make it through and here's what I know from it. So when you find a shed, obviously you know that that deer made it through, survived the hunting seasons. It's not necessarily through the, through like out of the thick of it because it's still, there's a lot of, you know, gnarly winter weather that can pop up from, you know, January through, through March. Mm -hmm. So just because you find an antler doesn't, it's not a, a, you know, blanket statement that yes, this deer is going to be around next year to chase. But it's a very good indicator that it survived the gauntlet of hunting seasons. It survived the gauntlet of hunting season, probably the toughest part of yes. the winter. So if it made it through that, you know, but like like you say, though, case in point, I was out uh, shed hunting. I said it was two years ago. I texted yeah. you some pictures of it. Yep. And I found a dead buck. He was a shed buck. Um, it was probably about this time of year, what we're in, uh, the beginning of March or something like that. Maybe it was even a little bit later. Um, very new like coyotes hadn't got to him you know and i tried to investigate to the best of my ability i'm like what the heck killed this thing i I still don't know to this day there was a road that wasn't you know he was probably i don't know six seven hundred yards from a road did he get hit by a car and go back in there and die i don't know but had you picked up his horn somewhere you'd be thinking oh this guy's good to go exactly so take it with a grain of salt but it is a very yeah 
I'd say the likelihood that that deer is alive is probably in its favor. It's a very good indicator that, you know, you hopefully have something to chase next year. I did kind of build off that. I mean, who knows what the demise of that deer was. It could have been a car. It could have been, you know, any number of things. When I worked at DNR, the biologist always described winter as a long period of starvation. Um, which is just the most grueling thing to imagine. You know, you think about deer out there when we're tucked away at home and, you know, sub-zero temperatures, nasty wind chill, snow coming down sideways, that deer's laying out under a cedar tree somewhere trying to, you know, just survive. Oh, dude, I, I always think about how darn tough those things are. When I'm out there hunting them and I'm like, I've been out here for three hours, and I'm like, I can't feel my hands or right. my feet. I'm like, dude, these things just live. Anyway. Exactly. So, um, okay, proof of life is number one. The next thing, you know, now is where you start getting into a little bit more of the nuance and what I think is some of the more exciting, almost like investigative part of aspect of shed hunting. Um, so based on how you find the antler, where it is, how it lays there, is there a match? Is the match right next to it? You can kind of put your CSI hat on and start to figure out some tendencies of like what that deer was doing when you found it, when you when it shed its antlers. So the example that I always go back to is uh, is probably 2016, a, a match set, the biggest set that I ever found. I should have brought it in today, but absolute giant, giant buck that I found on a piece of public when I lived in Iowa. And this, these things were laying right next to each other. They were literally in a bed with a cedar tree on, uh, like, to, on the uphill side of the bed mm-hmm. to imply that the deer had that tree up at its, its back looking downhill. It I mean, on, classic. Yeah, it was on a southern exposure on a big CRP knob implying that there's a lot of sunlight hitting it. And, you know, I, I, if I just had to imagine that deer was tucked up in there on like a northerly wind on the leeward side of a ridge, stood up, shook a little bit, dumped both his antlers literally right next to each other. And, um, and, and, and that was like a pinpoint on a map. Like, yes, I know this, this exact buck was bedded in this exact spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to kind of expound on that a little bit more, it's like, how, what, what would you give for that Intel? You know, like people would, would do just about anything, you know, like, Oh, this buck was exactly right here. That, that is a, that is a great starting point for the following year. I mean, you've basically, I mean, it's the equivalent of like, seeing that buck in its bed. Yep, exactly. Or jumping that buck up without jumping it right, up. Right, right. You know? It's it's like it's like sight fishing bass on beds. You know, when you're when you're when when bass are spawning and you're fishing them on beds, <laughs> it's it's the same thing, you know. Um, but but not to derail too much. I mean, so that that's one example. If you find sheds that are are, you know, let's say you do find the match or it is just one and it's in that kind of classic bedding condition or the, the that bedding type habitat, you can you know, you can likely imagine that that deer was bedded in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the same on this uh, uh, on the flip side of that, I've also found match sets in the past where you're walking trails like bed to feed trails, mm-hmm. and I can think back to another you know decent little match set that I found a couple of years ago where I was walking a, a very very worn trail um, in between you know food source and a bedding area, definitely like classic transition area. And I picked up a right side of like a, a nice young, you know, f- five point side, half of a, a, a 10 pointer and, you know, continued walking that trail and maybe 150 yards further down the trail. Boom. There's the other side. So obviously, you know, that that deer was walking down that trail. You even have an I- idea of like, it's, uh, it's, 
Direct, line of direction. Direction of travel. That's yep. what I was going to say. When you found those was, I mean, the right. You on know, the right these side of the trail. Right and the left. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, so one was on, you know, one side of the trail when I assume the other was yeah. at least edging towards the other side. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that, like, that's another example. And then, I mean, the list could go, go on and on. I mean, we've, I've, I've found these things hanging in cedar trees in the past where it's like, you know, that's cool. You know, the deer is probably, you know, transitioning through that area, you know, got a little frisky, started rubbing a cedar tree or something, got an, a shed kind of tangled up in that and it popped off. But I would say like the, the other example is you just find one in a feeding area. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's easy to like pin, like point at your fingers at that and be like, Oh, well that's the least valuable because you don't know exactly where that deer, you don't like anybody can assume that, okay, you know, food sources are going to hold shed antlers. Like, yeah, that's not rocket science. Um, but it, it is still an indicator that, Hey, at this time of the year, this buck was, feeding in this area, mm-hmm. whether that's a clear cut, uh, pick bean field, corn field, whatever it is, it kind of gives you an idea of what that deer's food sources were that it had available mm-hmm. during the late season, especially if you're somebody, you know, that doesn't have access to control or manipulate food. You know, if, if you, if you do have food plots and you find, you know, a handful of sheds in your plots, that's great news. I mean, the deer are using your, your plots just as you intended. But, you know, I, I would always like, there's two sides to that coin. You know, if you're someone that's hunting public and you find one in a cedar thicket or on a, or sorry, not a cedar thicket, but like a, a timber cut, um, you know, or something like that, you can kind of ballpark that, hey, this buck was feeding in this area at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and yeah, you've got that time of year and, Whenever I find a shed, like I, I try to walk it back, yep. right? Um, and like we'll start walking back with the food source. Like maybe you find a trend that you're like, oh yeah, like you know, there's um, heck, sometimes there's actually you know corn on public land, you know, depending sure. on what yep. programs they might have in place, or if you're on private land and you've ac- have access to egg. But you know, are you finding for whatever reason that oh, I'm finding. Uh, all, all the, all, all the horns, they're in cut corn. They're not in the beans or they're in the beans and they're not in the cut corn. So you can be like, okay, well, when I get to hunt in December, maybe I need to key in on one or the other. And this is, again, I'm assuming I don't have, I guess, the luxury of having that all the time, but, um, you know, and you're talking about, uh, finding a bed, it's like, well, yeah, you don't know, just have that bed, but you can stand up and look around and go, okay, he was bedded here. The wind was likely doing this. Uh, the access points are over here. He, he's bedded here because the access is over here, and you know he's going to see stuff coming. How can how can I get around? I mean, you can really do a lot of strategizing. Oftentimes, or I guess I've only I haven't found a ton of sheds and beds, but I have found sheds and beds. And I swear, every time I go, this thing's freaking bulletproof. Man. Absolutely, like, I know exactly why that thing Absolutely. is here. Absolutely, and then I rack my brain trying to figure out how to you know do something about yeah. it. But. And, and what you just alluded to there, like the strategizing, the questions, all that stuff, like that is probably like the third big thing that I would say somebody can take away from finding a shed. It's like you have time during the off season to ask yourself those questions. On the flip side, you find a big rub and a big fresh scrape on October 17th. You don't have a ton of time to sit there and strategize that specific area because guess what? There's probably 17 more of those scattered throughout the woods. Mm-hmm. And like that buck might come back to that, but he also might hit any one of the others that are kind of scattered around there. Mm-hmm. So what shed season gives somebody is the luxury of time on their side. So you find a shed, you kind of have the rest of the season to spend really like dissecting that area 
you know, and kind of ground truth in different spots, especially if it's stuff that you're, you might be unfamiliar with, or even if it is, you know, a lease or a farm that you own, heck, a lot of guys kind of stay out of certain areas of their, their That's properties. That's exactly what I was going to go into. Now is the time to dig into that. Mm-hmm. There's no consequences. Yeah. There's no consequences. I mean, you can find that, uh, you can just go into places that you might not otherwise. I'm probably guilty of being like a little too, you know, gingerly yeah. with it. Um, and I probably should be a little bit more aggressive, but like you can be as aggressive as you want and put those puzzle pieces together. It's just like, you know, it can be so, so huge. And you might find a cool horn and that's For always sure. cool. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, an- another one I would say like the, a, a number four thing is, is just winter range in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Depending on where you're at, you know, I, I've spent quite a bit of time hunting like the, the northern part of Wisconsin and deer actually, you'll get deer yarding up up there. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, down here in the southern part of the state, food is a lot more accessible. It's more dispersed throughout the landscape. I do think we actually get yarding to a degree. I would I, put like, I'd loose, say I see it. Yeah, yeah. I would put like loose air quotes on it. And by that, I mean like you, you're driving, you know, the same stretch of road. Um, you know, let's say you're route to and from work. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden in January and February, these fields have 50, 60 deer in it. Whereas during, you know, other times of the year, you might see a handful, maybe one, two, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so yarding up clusters of deer that transition to a specific area at a certain time of year. Um, and in the late season, I think what that does is that kind of, that, that helps somebody qualify the information that they are getting from that shed. If I go and I walk at an area where deer are yarded up, it's not necessarily guaranteeing that, hey, this buck is going to be right here next next fall. It's definitely an indicator that he's in the general area. But if you are, if you do find yourself in one of those classic like deer yarding situations, you know, where let, let's say a, a cedar swamp in northern Wisconsin and you find a handful of sheds, like, yeah, that is great intel. But take it a little bit with a grain of salt because in those deer yards, those deer can be coming from miles and miles away. Um, you know, on, on one extreme example, we found a shed in 2015. 16 2015 um this was when i lived in southern iowa uh from a buck that we knew super super well it was a buck that i actually missed in 2013 (laughs) and found his shed 4.1 miles as the crow flies from where i missed that deer and that was in a a very big timber setting you know everyone thinks iowa they think open country which is certainly true but there are also very much areas that have you know big woods type habitat and that's what this was um and we found that shed literally four miles on the very opposite side of the piece of public that i miss that buck on i mean that's astounding because i'd say that's you know generally from what i hear like definitely on the outside of what you hear the range of a you know a white tail buck is right you know right uh and then you there's always stories of this one was you know Super far away for X, Y, Z, but I mean, that's, that's a long ways for a whitetail buck, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I, I would say generally, you know, you find something, you can probably expect it to be within that like mile and a half, two mile-ish vicinity of like what is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of home range is. 
But obviously in this case, and that, that I'm kind of using as an example here, like that buck who had a, a very, very wide uh, home range. Like he was going all over the place. And, it, I mean, it was a very recognizable deer too. It's not like we're like, maybe that's the same buck. Like it, it was the same buck. He had 10 points on his right side. There's not that many of that buck running around out there. <laughs> I wish there were. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I wish there were. But then, they, then they'd be less special. Um Going back to if you find a horn on a, a horn, I call them horns. I know they're antlers. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't ride in. Uh, you know what? Actually, ride in. What do I care? Uh, but you can look, also look at the trail. Maybe maybe the horn pops off and you can't really tell like what the maybe you find one horn and you're like, well, I don't know what direction he's going. You can also look at the trail and look at the predominant travel direction of tracks. If there is one, I mean, sometimes you look at a trail and you're like. Could have been coming or going. But sometimes you can see one where you're like, man, most of the tracks are going a certain direction. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, why was he here? Or, you know, are we close to food? So maybe he dropped this at the end of the day, you know? So, okay, so this deer was here in the evening, perhaps. You know, things like, again, it's just, and, you know, probably, you know, half the time you're wrong, but. Well, and that actually dovetails into the last thing that I had, which is, this probably sounds very basic. But sign in general, Um, during, you know, March, April, I mean, those are kind of like, I would say March is your classic shed hunting month. Um, The sign has been preserved by a blanket of snow for a couple months now. So, you know, all those big rubs and scrapes that you found last year, or that would have been, you know, available to find last year that you probably didn't because you're walking very specific routes to and from, you know, your hunting area have been preserved by the snow. Oh, yeah. So, you know, basic statement. Obviously, sign is in the woods. But what I think is a little bit more interesting there is now, okay, you find a shed antler. You can, you know, apply that that location where you found the shed to the proximity of some of those big signpost rubs and Mm -hmm. community scrapes. It's no secret you're going to find rubs and scrapes all throughout the woods. There's different value rubs and scrapes. You're going to find those signpost rubs or those community scrapes. Those are the areas that you want to be kind of paying attention to where it's, hey, I found this big set in this area. I know that there's a signpost rub on this ridge, you know, two ridges over, and down in this bottom there's a big community scrape. Uh, Those are both places where I'm going to have a trail camera the following year. Yep. you know, it's going to give you a little bit more timely intel on if that deer, one, made it through, two, it, when when can you actually expect him to be kind of sucked back into that area when you can start hunting him. So, you know, yes, there is sign all over the place, and it's one thing to go through the woods marking every single rub and scrape you found on your phone, but they're not created equal. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to be really paying attention to the signpost rubs, community scrapes, and then if you can put those in close proximity to a big big shed antler that you found, you're really starting to get a little bit more of an actionable next step of something that you can do that might put that deer, you know, in in bow range or gun range the following season. 100%, 100%. And I think one thing I'm guilty of is like, I mean, I, I drop pins like it's going out of style, right? And, and luckily we have the different icons where you can like, yep, drop a shed antler, drop a rub here. What I'm guilty of, though, is not providing the context. Because I always think I'm going to remember, and I yeah. don't remember. Like, yeah, there's a rub here. But what rub was that? Yeah. You know? And I think what you're going to with there, or, or one thing that I think, yeah. is spotting trends, though. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, you look at maybe a certain terrain feature, and over maybe over years, you're like, oh, I've got a horn here, a horn here, a horn here. And they're all in different spots, but they all look the same in some ways. Exactly. And I think what you mentioned there, you know, kind of using your map's ability to like provide notes and context or images, you know, upload a photo in there too. 
Um, you know, for example, like when I go through my, my maps, I'll like tap on some of these pins and I've tried to do a better job in the last couple of years of like actually putting in, like if I, if I'm going to drop a pin, I'm going to actually like put notes on it. Yeah. Uh, take that. I mean, it's an extra 30 seconds. Like here's the date, here's what I found here, you know, here's, here's the context and then, you know, snap a picture, include that in there. That adds a ton because, you know, you look at your map and it's like, holy crap, it looks like it's got chicken pox. There's oh, stuff all over the place. Pin vomit, dude. But when you actually give yourself that little bit of extra context, it helps you kind of start, okay, this is the best, you know, conditions that I think to hunt this area, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, drop that stuff in there. It's going to help you make a better hunting decision than the following season. 100%. And, you know, just like finding a horn in, in a bedding area that you may maybe wanted to stay out of, you get to find sign that, like, I, I find, like, some of the sign that I find this time of year like allows me to be more aggressive. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah, I know what's in there and I know that you know what, yeah, I'm going to make a move. Or you know, where I don't know, like it just it's just the, the information really is yep. power. Um, the 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 things that somebody learns at this time of the year isn't going to be necessarily like the magic bullet to you know, that following season, but it at least kind of helps you hone your area. And then, you know, within that area that you've identified, now you can do your in-season stuff the following year and the cycle just repeats itself. So that's, that's the fun part about, you know, shed hunting is it kind of keeps that fire going all season long versus, you know, Hey, I'm going to give this a shot for these three weekends out of the fall. And then it's over with wipe my hands. You're, you're done. Shed hunting just gives you a little bit more reason to kind of stay in the woods. Ha- I mean, have fun looking for antlers and learn a heck of a lot while doing it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Nope. I think, uh, uh, and you're getting fresh air. Yeah. And exercise, which actually, Eric, I've been doing something the last couple of years that I call shedder size. So I like to, you know, I like to spring bear hunt. So that's like, you know, one of the early hunts, and it can be a very strenuous hunt. Um, it, but. Sometimes and I guess it can hamper your shed hunting because you're adding weight to your pack. But I'll throw a forty on my back, go hunt for sheds. Yep. And then I get that real pack training, shutter size. Yeah. But then you also find a horn, or might find a horn, and uh, you find that buck sign that you know. Then you take your notes and off you go. Off you go. You're a better I, I hunter. Like it. It's a holistic approach it is. to hunting. It is. It's a it's a good one too. I think there's a lot of merit there. If you want to, you know. Knock two birds out at once. That's a great way to do it. But uh, awesome. I don't, did we miss anything? I'm going I'm to go to my notes. Yeah, you, you brought your, you're like Jim. You're, you're, you know, digital notes. Yeah, you brought digital notes. I brought the, uh, the analog paper ones. Um, <laughs> Mark with waypoints. We got that. Uh, I mean, the, the woods are never going to look more like hunting season than they are right now. And I do think, yeah. and another thing I'm guilty of is like, ah, you know, kids, family, which I mean, hey, these things are important. Uh, I'm not going to discount. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Crystal's listening, Mark. I think we're okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but it, it's fleeting. You think you've got all the time in the world and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden the woods blow up and you're turkey hunting and you can't see a darn thing. It's like, if you want it, you got to go now. Yeah. I would say you really got, you know, a handful. I mean- in, in states where, I, I know I keep kind of going back to Iowa, but that's where I have a lot of experience. They have a lot, what I would say is a lot longer shed season than we have in the upper Midwest. In sure. Wisconsin, Minnesota, the UP. I mean, heck, up, up in like northern Wisconsin, your shed season might actually not start until late April. Right. But, you know, in, in some of these areas like, like the southern part of Wisconsin um, or any of those areas like in your classic Midwest, you know, you really do have a short window of like when that snow finally gets out of there to when the woods green up. I'd say, it's, what, 
late, I mean, the widest window considering all the states, like what, late Feb through early, early April? Early April. At the, yeah. at, the, at the latest, I would say, because, I mean, you're also competing with squirrels and, and all that stuff, too. So Well, you know, and speaking of competition, uh, you know, if you're on private, you do have a little bit more of a luxury yep. of finding those sheds over time because, you know, hey, people are out there. They're doing the same things we are. Yep. And scooping up horns, and they're they're scooping up your information. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's one thing that you can definitely you know place a bet on, and that's that if you get you know a nice 40, 50 degree weather weekend in early early March, Pete, you're gonna have company if you're if you're out on public. So yep. that's just kind of part of it. But uh, no, I like it. I like it. Um, I think I think that we got it. Maybe other people have other stuff that they're learning from their horns here. Hide your prize. What do you mean, what do you mean there? Let's dive Well, I didn't even, that. I kind of, I wrote that down, and that's more that's a good just one. something that I do. But always then I, bring a backpack. Always, Not only for that big bag of salt, but when you do see that uh, fellow public landowner, stuff this in your backpack. So, yes, hashtag agree, Eric. <laughs> and I'd actually, I'd written that down, yeah. and then I was like, well, that's just an, that's just like a note for me to remember. I don't. Because when I see that other person walking around the woods, I want to see theirs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You called me out. Here I was trying to be selfish, and then you ruined it. We're better off because of it. We're, you know what? I can sleep at night. Yeah. Yep. I would have felt guilty about that. Yeah. Good karma now. Shed hunting and therapy all in one. I like it. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Well, hopefully you learned something about sheds and what you can learn from sheds from this podcast. What are you learning? Did we miss anything? Let us know. Yeah. And... uh let us know what you find this year. Yeah. Post them up. Bye, guys. Bye. Happy hunting and shed hunting. Happy shed hunting. Happy shed hunting.